Hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And I'm pumped about today, uh, excited about my guest, met him through um, another podcast guest. And so uh, excited to dive into this topic. We're going to be getting into design and UX and some conversion rate optimization tactics and principles. And so it's a topic that, that really we all need to be thinking about all the time. And I've had multiple guests on the show to talk about this topic, but from different angles. And, and, and the reason I've done that is because we're really never done optimizing for conversions. We're never finished making our website perform better, convert better, engage better, sell better, all those things. And so uh, really excited to dive into this topic with my guest. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce. And we are thrilled to underwrite this program and bring some amazing guests to you. I have a question for you. How is your YouTube game? Are you using YouTube to help scale your e-commerce business? Hopefully, you're using YouTube both as a remarketing vehicle and also for top of funnel growth. However, if you're like most e-commerce companies, then you're probably not fully leveraging YouTube. So, I have two free resources for you. The first is a two-minute crash course on YouTube ads. I recorded this with the famous Ezra Firestone. So you can check that out by looking at the links in the show notes to this show. You can also Google Smart Marketer and two-minute crash course, and you'll find the resource there. Also, we recorded a 90-minute webinar outlining exactly how we scale with YouTube. We talk about keys to a great YouTube ad. We talk about audience targeting. We talk about bidding, optimization, and much, much more. So I highly, highly recommend you check it out. You can also find that linked here in the show notes. It's also at the bottom of the two-minute crash course page. So check them out and start scaling with YouTube. And now, back to the show. My guest today is Mr. Ross Byler. He is the founder of GrowthSpark, and uh, he primarily focuses on business development and strategy and customer relations, and just a super sharp guy. We had a, a nice long chat about a week ago diving into this topic, and so since then, I've been excited to get, in, get on and uh, record and make this episode happen. So, Ross, thanks for uh, coming on the show and excited to dive in here. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Good, good. So if you would, Ross, uh, give us kind of your quick background. Like, how did you get into the space? How did you guys start GrowthSpark? Give us like the 90-second the version, if you could. Sure, yeah. I actually um, started the company back when I was in college. Uh, at Babson College, I tried my hand at a, another uh, business before this one, actually trying to build my own e-commerce platform for the art world specifically. Um Raised a bunch were of money. You, were you an art student or why, why art? Uh, no, just uh, happened happen to have sort of a, a little bit of a fondness in my heart for the space. And um, my co-founder was a bit of an artist and I was a professional musician. Uh, and he and I had, you know, sort of just seen an opportunity in this particular space and decided to go after it. And, uh, you know, we raised some money, went serious, dropped out of school to pursue it. And I just made every mistake, every mistake <laughs> you can possibly make as a first time entrepreneur. So, uh, but, but good, good education, good um, education, yep. costly, costly. costly. But, I mean, if you're to pay for school, paying for this education was probably more valuable. Yeah, no, hands, hands down. So I did end up going back to school to finish my degree. And uh, in the last couple semesters I had was sort of a, you know, how do I, 
get myself back on my feet, had learned a little bit about design and development through that first company, um, just started freelancing. And by the time I graduated, had enough clientele to kind of keep myself busy and decided to postpone getting a real job. And I've been postponing it for about 10 years now. <laughs> Good for you, man. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that's exciting. And, and you, know, you guys do some amazing work. Uh, when we were prepping, I got to look at some of your client websites. We're going to talk about several of them today and and get into some some good nuggets that our listeners can can apply to their own sites. Mm-hmm. But I want to dive right in. And actually, I want to start somewhere that um, we don't seem to talk about a whole lot on podcasts. I don't hear people talking about this a whole lot, but let's talk about a good homepage, right? I think, uh, and we'll get into product detail pages in a little bit and some of the other elements of conversion rate optimization. But Let's talk about a homepage. Like what, what are some of the, the common homepage mistakes that you see e-commerce companies making right now? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. We we typically try to bucket our clients into, you know, one of two groups. Those that are really focused, uh, well, actually, honestly, maybe even one of three. Those that are focused on selling a single product or a very small set of products where you're really trying to sell the capabilities, the features, the benefits of that particular product. And obviously there's a brand behind it. There's a story behind it. Um, but really you're using that homepage to almost tell the entire experience or, or share the entire experience of what that product can do. Um, so it's evolved since, but one of our kind of you know favorite notable clients in this space is a company called Bottle Keeper. And when, they, um, when we helped them first migrate to Shopify a couple of years ago, um, they were really just selling one product at the time. And the whole entire experience on the homepage at that point was very oriented around. And, and, what, and what is Bottle Keeper? Because that's, that's kind of a cool product. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very simple concept. Basically, it's a, um, imagine sort of an aluminum water bottle, except you can screw off the bottom, uh, slide it on top of your beer. Uh, or sorry, screw off the top, slide your beer into, uh, inside of it, and then screw that on. Uh, and then it'll keep your uh, beer cold and prevent it from uh, breaking um, and keep the, there's a seal on the top, so it keeps it fresh as well, which is pretty neat. Um, so we kind of created this interactive homepage to specifically demonstrate how that product works. So as you scroll down the page, you could see sort of the bottle coming apart, you know, inserting, reassembling, uh, and sort of highlighting those features. So you know, for us, that's a really interesting example. And they've got a bunch of products now. But um, at the time, is a really interesting example of that single product company where you're really trying to tell the story of that product. And now, it's, it's bottlekeeper.com? Yeah, bottlekeeper.com. Yes, yeah, so check that out. And then one thing, the one thing that I think that's, that's important to underscore, and that this will, we'll revisit as we go, but, but if you think about it, the, the role of a website in the e-commerce space is to kind of replace that in-store shopping experience. And... and um, you know, just the, the, the ways people can touch and feel and interact with the product in a store and see a demo and things like that. We have to recreate that with, with the site. And, and you guys are really good at doing that. Most companies are not. And so it sounds <laughs> like that's what the homepage did for Bottle Keepers. It kind of showed the progression of here's, here's how you unscrew and here's how you put the beer bottle in and you know, all those things. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, I think that's one of our favorite examples on that side. On, on the flip side, you have client, or clients or companies, merchants that are... Um, they're selling what you might consider uh, a non-diversified product or a product that you know you technically could get from a, a bunch of different merchants. Take apparel, for example, right? Um, if you're selling t-shirts, uh, the, the actual t-shirt might be really soft, really comfortable. There are going to be some feature differences, right? There's going to be some quality differences between products, but generally a t-shirt is a t-shirt. People know that you wear it. That's sort of what the purpose is. Mm-hmm. So here's how you put it on. Yeah, exactly. Let me just, goes first. And actually what, what is the answer there? Does the head go first? You do the arms first. I don't know what the proper. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's uh, it's a regional thing. 
Yeah, it's, it's a regional thing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think with uh, a lot of those companies where for them, it's not the product that differs, it's really the brand and the brand story that differs. So some of our favorite examples here are uh, Johnny Cupcakes, who we've worked with for five years now, Charlie Hustle, um, where I know you're, you're a fan because they're a little hometown uh, area. That's right, that's right. In fact, in fact uh, for those that are watching the video, so this will be on YouTube as well. I know most people listen on iTunes or whatever, but, but show, show folks your, you got a Charlie Hustle shirt yeah. on right now, this, right? Yeah, this is one of their uh, sweatshirts of Boulevard Brewery. Boulevard um, Brewing, yeah. So yeah. I'm, a, I'm a Kansas City native, man. That's where my family hails from. That's where I was born. Uh, moved to Kansas, or moved to Springfield where I am now when I was pretty little, but but yeah, Casey Royals, uh, uh, Chiefs, man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a diehard. And uh, Charlie Hustle, man, they've created some iconic... KC uh, apparel, really, really phenomenal stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the KC hard shirt, all that type of stuff. And what we love about you know them and Johnny Cupcakes and a lot of our other uh, more kind of what we consider lifestyle brand companies is that you know the homepage in particular is an opportunity to sort of tell the story of the brand. And a lot of that is done through the visual uh, media, right? Through imagery, through video, because um, really that's going to just show customers sort of the, the truest, realest example of of the product in the setting. So we've seen a lot of lifestyle shots, um, not just pure product shots. We've seen, you know, a lot of kind of curated collections. We've seen a lot of, you know, highly targeted promotions or uh, campaigns that are, you know, typically updated on a frequent basis, especially between those two brands. Um, so we see the homepage really becoming more of this centerpiece of storytelling and, and sort of exciting someone about the brand. And then the, the third group that we would have are t- typically larger catalog merchants. So folks that might be selling thousands, tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of products in often a, a particular uh, marketplace. Um, so they're, you know, they might be selling, um, uh, it could be anything. So one of our, our local retailers here in, in the Boston area, Newberry Comics, um, they sell a wide range of, of music, a lot of vinyl. Uh, they sell a lot of pop merchandise, some apparel as well. But none of it's really their their branded products, right? They're, they're working with all these other brands. Uh, Foco is another example that we um, did a, a site for recently where they're selling a lot of other brands uh, through their website. So yeah, and, and Foco is F-O-C-O.com, right? Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, you know, a lot of these brands are, uh, or a lot of these merchants, you know, it's really, it's about telling the brand story about a bunch of different brands, right? So you have a lot of promotional driven things. You have a lot of product discovery. Um, oftentimes there's an advanced search uh, component built into the site. So we've done a lot of work with Nextopia and Algolia, some of these technologies that really help with, um, uh, with you know, customers looking for filtering capabilities, search capabilities through oftentimes, again, tens, hundreds of thousands of products. Uh, so be, that kind of product discovery, product search experience becomes far more pivotal on the homepage. Yeah, uh, let's actually talk about that just a little bit. I want to circle back to the storytelling piece and, and how you guys look at that because that's fascinating. And, and I really think it's going to be kind of the hallmark of good brands going forward. Good, good e-commerce brands will be good storytellers. Uh, but, but you mentioned something really interesting just now that I want to, I want to make sure we don't uh, forget, and that's site search. So you mentioned Algolia. And uh, you said, did you say Nextopia? Yeah, Nextopia as well. Yeah, um, met both those at both those uh, companies at different events and whatnot. Um, what What do you look for in site search, and what recommendations might you give to somebody listening? You know, if, if they do have a site where there's multiple SKUs or thousands of SKUs, you know, and then site search is critical for them, what what kind of advice would you give them on on what they should look for in a site search provider or solution? 
Yeah, um, I think the the common advice is, you know, really pay attention to the filtering capabilities of these platforms where if you're in a collection of a particular product set. So let's say, you know, you're FOCO and you want to have uh, you want to allow someone to go in and see specifically um, the, the toys, they actually have the toy line, uh, a bunch of brands that they work with. So toys that someone can search through. You want to give the customer the ability to filter through the various toys you might have according to color, size, brand, whatever it might be, price point. That's pretty standard. So you want to look for a solution that has the ability to do um, filtering, faceted search, you know, in a relatively easy way. A lot of flexibility where you can have different filters depending on the type of collection you're dealing with. Uh, have um, sort of a combination of logic. So situations where it is inclusive search or exclusive search. So kind of and versus or search options. Um, the ability to kind of do slightly uh, more interesting uh, sort of UX presentations of filtering. So color swatches, you know, price sliders, um, you know, things beyond just your standard radio buttons or checkboxes. I think the area that it seems like a lot of merchants kind of overlook, and I think it's a goldmine of opportunity, is the search analytics side. So, um, you know, these platforms have really, really powerful, really rich analytics in terms of what people are searching. And to me, I think if you pay attention there, you're going to find a couple things. Number one, your customers might be looking for products that you don't carry that you shouldn't, right? right? Number one, (laughs) Um, that could be a huge opportunity in terms of product development. Right yeah, and if you think about it, just just really quickly, you know that that's how some of the the big dogs really expanded their their product line. So, I know I know Chewies.com does this, Amazon, of course, all, all the big retailers. They're mining that site search data, looking for opportunities. Um, in fact, a, a good friend of mine who built a, a brand in the in the pet space, um, he had Chewies contact him about a year and a half ago and say, "Hey, we we keep seeing your brand name pop up." In our site search, what do we have to do to get you on our site? And uh, so that's something, though, that, that the individual merchant needs to do as well is mine that data, look for opportunities, look for things that that, um, that you're missing. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, too, sometimes uh, sometimes it's new product opportunities. Sometimes it's it's simply setting up better collections, right? Improving the navig- navigability of your site. Um, sometimes it's just setting up minor redirects so that people are landing on the appropriate results. Sometimes it's finding that people might be looking for a different variant of a product. So you might need to expose your product variants in, in a bit different fashion. To me, it's sort of the, uh, it's sort of the, it's certainly not free because it's a pay for these softwares, but it's sort of a, a very um, low cost way of doing user research, you know, yes. and a very, very yes. easy way to get some user research done. Yep, absolutely. Uh, one thing I want to just mention, I've got the, the FOCO website up now. I'm looking at it and talking about a good homepage. And now, can, can you describe what it is that they sell? This, this looks like Lego type things, but it's not, it's not Legos. Um, yeah. So what, what is this? Yeah. So uh, yeah, the, the Brixels, they, uh, it's sort of another um, totally separate company, totally separate brand. It's not Le- Legos at all, but it's uh, it's sort of branded a toy type product, right? Where it's kind of neat. They have different, um, different uh, types of sets where you can build stadiums, you can build uh, sport logos, pop characters like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, that sort of thing. Football helmets, things like that. Yeah, exactly. uh, but, but what's cool, and I think this is something, again, that, that good merchants do, uh, on the homepage right now, so at the time of this recording, it's, it's World Series time. Mm-hmm. We got LA Dodgers versus Red Sox. Yep. Uh, and on the homepage, in the, uh, there's a little section that says, if you build it, right? Like the pulling from Field of Dreams, and then you got uh, a Dodgers player and a Red Sox player, and, and then one of the stadiums in the background. I can't tell which. I assume it's probably uh, Dodger Stadium, but all you, all you can see is kind yep. of blue. Anyway, um, so really cool, like keeping it, keeping it relevant and fresh and topical. Sure. And- yeah, topical. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, 
Um, good. Any other kind of cut you off there? Any other thoughts on, on site search before we, no. Yeah, I think that's the big stuff is just really, right. you know, mine that data. There's opportunity there. Great, great. Uh, so let's, let's, let's pivot and let's, let's um, talk again about storytelling. And I uh, mentioned this a minute ago, but I believe the, the e-commerce brands that will succeed into the future are not those that are just selling other people's stuff, but those that have their own brand and they're telling the story of that brand in a really powerful and fresh way and in a way that, that resonates with their customers. And uh, I think I mentioned on the show, in fact, I know I have before, but uh, the book Story Brand by mm-hmm. Donald Miller is one of my favorite authors. Um, highly recommend that. Just finished it actually. Um, but talking about how to use the elements of a great story to build a great brand message. And, and so we're just curious, how, how do you guys approach storytelling, either on the product detail page, homepage, you know, just the site in general? How do you guys look at telling a compelling story that then you know, engages people and, and sells products? Yeah. Yeah. I think when we, when we're first working with a merchant, we'd like to try and understand, you know, what is, what's sort of the, the, the angle, if you will, of, of the story, right? Is it a situation where you're, you know, you're just saying, Hey, we've got a unique product. No one else has. Is it, we've got the best quality product. Is it, we have, you know, the best process and most sustainable materials and the most transparency in how we manufacture our products. Is it, you know, we just, our products are like everyone else's, but you know, we just do it faster or any, any combination of those things. I think we first try to understand what is the real essence or differentiator in our merchants or our clients story to then understand sort of what we want to highlight. So if it's, if it's solely just we're unique, okay, great. What's unique about this product. If no one else has this, let's talk features, let's talk benefits, let's talk how it solves certain customer issues. If it's uh, if it's not that, if it's, Hey, we're just, you know, we're selling t-shirts, but our t-shirt designs are totally unique and, and interesting. And it's really about the graphics and, and really about sort of the, the, you know, uh, how topical they are, or how kind of culturally ref- uh, relevant they are, that kind of thing. Like with Johnny Cupcakes, um, great. Let's, let's highlight that media. So I think for us, it's, it's first starting by understanding what sort of angle they want to take. Now, specifically, you know, we talked about the homepage, but specifically at the PDP level, you know, I think um, for us, we, we really want to understand is that particular product one that has its own story or is it something where we're really focused on the story of the brand? So there are some instances, right, where uh, even if it's a a merchant selling a bunch of different products, um, let's say it's a company that has, um, you know, a range of apparel and uh, footwear might be one of their things. Okay, great. Are there unique features to the shoe? Are you using, you know, unique materials? Uh, Is there a performance difference, you know, going on with the product, things like that. So there's an opportunity to really get into the features and benefits at the product level. But in some instances, it might be a product that, again, same company they're selling, and it's not necessarily that different from a features and benefits uh, perspective. So you can look at it, um, like a lot of companies will also sell just branded uh, t-shirts of their own, even though that's not their core product, they still have that. Great, well, let's now focus a bit more on the story of the brand itself you know, what differentiates you guys? What guarantees do you have? You know, what's what's unique about how you're, uh, again, sourcing materials or the community that you've created? So I, I think for us, it's it's really trying to understand both kind of site-wide where, where are we kind of focused? And then also at the individual product level, does this product have its own unique story to tell? Or is it more about reinforcing the story of the brand itself? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I want to kind of highlight a couple of, 
companies that I think are really good at this. And, and I think both of those elements are important where you're telling the story of the brand. Why does the brand exist? What, what are we all about? But then telling the story of the product. And, and one of the things that Donald Miller talks about in the book, uh, story brand is, is really you want, you want the, the consumer to be the hero of the product. Uh, I'm sorry. You want, you want them to be the hero of the story, not the product itself, but the product is like the guide that, that helps them, right? So like the, uh, the guide that leads them on the, uh, the journey to becoming the hero. And I think there's, there's, there's several brands that do this really well, but one that I like to pay attention to in the, in the apparel space is Huckberry. Mm-hmm. And so I recommend uh, you subscribe to the Huckberry email and just pay attention to the way they position products, the way they tell stories about products. They're kind of like, uh, for, for the Seinfeld fans out there, they're kind of like the Jay Peterman catalog of today. Uh, in fact, it's funny, we're, uh, we're moving offices. Uh, I think I've got a Jay Peterman catalog. I'm going to see if I can yes. grab it in a minute. Uh, but, you know, Jay Peterman is like over the top, crazy storytelling. Um, you know, in, in, in the show Seinfeld, Elaine works for Jay Peterman for a few seasons. Um, uh, but what, what Huckberry does is they make the product come to life, right? I was looking at this email about some, uh, is it Chuka's? Chuka's, I know it's an Italian boot. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Handmade and, you know, the story of the leather and it's handmade in this factory that's been owned by an Italian family for generations and it repels water. It just tells the story. And as you're reading, you're like, dude, I, I, want, I want those boots. Like, I, I would look good. I would look really good in those, in those boots. And so it's a, it's a process of telling the story of the brand and of the product and allowing, allowing the consumer to see themselves using the product and enjoying the product and, and being amazing with the product. You know, mm-hmm. you'd mentioned something in our kind of prep call that or you just inspired something in my head. I don't know, but, but how to cover both the, the technical and the sexy, you know, like, like, sure. so how to, how to cover the details, how to make the product sexy and doing that with the, with the, you know, the copy and the visuals and things like that. So yeah. any other thoughts on, on that, on that aspect? Yeah, especially at the PDP level. Um, you know, I think there's there's a, a range of content that you can have on your PDP to help tell that story. And there's a few different things that we'd like to, to kind of think about a few different areas. So maybe, maybe this will be a, a bit more of a UX conversation, but I think it's worth having. Um, you know, so the first is, is really thinking about the visual media. And this, of course, is, is speaking to the sexy side where you have imagery, you have video, uh, you have all of these assets that you can use to really showcase the product. It has rich you know, and as, as real like, you know, a way of, as possible. And I think there's some really exciting things going on, especially, um, you know, with Shopify, which is the platform that we kind of uh, primarily work with in the e-commerce space. They've got a lot of AR um, sort of efforts, you know, a lot of 3D, uh, 3D asset efforts going into this year and into next year. We're seeing some new ways that people are starting to kind of showcase that media, which is really, really interesting. I think beyond that, you know, one area that you really you really need to be mindful of, of course, is what we refer to as the product form. So think that kind of, you know, standard block where you're giving the absolute mission critical details, product title, price, any variant related, you know, options and add to cart. Maybe there's a short description, maybe there's a brand or vendor associated with it. That sort of, you know, key area of action um, cannot be overlooked. Uh, to us, that is really more about simplicity. You don't want to overcomplicate that. You want to make sure it's easy and clear to the customer. They know how much it costs and what they're going to be buying or how to buy. Um, beyond that, that's when you start to get into the more, uh, call it kind of richer content. So, you know, we have a lot of merchants now that are, are doing these kind of more expansive product pages, whether that's mm-hmm. sort of tab layouts, you know, where you're just tabbing through some different content or accordion layouts or even just a long scroll format. 
Um, you know, I think we see each of those layouts, uh, they each have their kind of pros and cons, you know, depending on the type of content you have. We find merchants with highly technical products where you're, you're talking about a lot of specs, a lot of, you know, um, uh, warranty information, shipping information, whatever more technical details, you know, sort of a tab like layout makes sense for that where you're really just scrolling through different sections of pure text. Someone who's really using more imagery to tell the tell the story of the product. You know, maybe you're showing how to use it, or you're showing the manufacturing process. That's where sort of the the longer scrolling format seems to work really, really well. Especially if you're talking about video, you don't want to cram that into some little box. Um, and then some of the other stuff that we really like seeing and really like to explore with our our merchants is uh, user generated content. You know, so whether you have uh, product reviews, product Q and A, whether you have um, you know social media imagery or, or social submitted uh, stories, testimonials, anything like that, it can go a huge way in telling the story and kind of building the trust factor. Um, and then beyond that, you know, we usually like to think of the last bucket as sort of the, uh, called the, you know, the conversion tools, if you will. So these are, these are things like features to add to a wish list, register, you know, add to a gift registry, um, do a product comparison, uh, you know, recommended products, related products, other kind of, you know, product modules to, to help upsell or cross-sell, um, alternative ways of buying. I mean, one thing I think in the product form in, in particular, a lot of people will make the mistake on is giving the customer too many different offers at once. It's like, well, you can buy this product or you can get 10% off if you buy five or you can subscribe and get 5% off. But if you do it now, you get free shipping. And if you do it on Tuesday, you get a free product. <laughs> okay, hold on. Let's prioritize our promos here. Exactly, too, yes. too many things going on at once. Yeah, that's, that's great. And I want to talk a little bit about user-generated content for a minute. Uh, in, in my opinion, as we, as we look at our, our clients that are the most successful and the companies that I observe are the, that are the most successful, most of them are using user-generated content uh, to a certain degree. Everybody's using reviews and, and usually the most successful have more and better reviews than anybody else. Yep. But I think also using user-generated videos, mm -hmm. right? And, and user-generated pictures. And, you know, some, some of our clients and friends like Ezra Firestone and at Boom, you know, they've always been collecting either selfies of the ladies that use their skincare and then putting that on the product detail page or, or in other promotion pages and stuff like that, or collecting video. Uh, a lot of our clients now, you know, we're, we're doing a lot on YouTube and building YouTube campaigns for both top of funnel kind of awareness campaigns, but also remarketing campaigns on YouTube. And we're utilizing user-generated content uh, whenever we can. So uh, we're, you know, we've got one client in the automotive space and, and several of their videos are all just a kind of a mashup of user-generated content, of testimonials, actual clients walking around their vehicle and talking about the product and why it's so awesome. And, and that is extremely valuable. So and one of the recommendations there is make that part of your follow-up process as you do your check-in after someone gets the product and you're checking in to make sure everything is okay and then it looks good, you know, via email, Make make the request for user generated content right there. You know, take a take a quick selfie video using the product, send it in, and be entered to win. You know, a year's supply of whatever, or 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 some kind of um, you know offer that, that's attached to that. Make that part of your process. To get user generated content. Have you seen uh, any of your clients do something unique to get that user generated content? I know it's kind of it's easier for some clients than it would be others. You know, Charlie Hustle. People want to take a selfie of their, you know, them in their KC um, t-shirt or, or Johnny Cupcakes. I mean, that stuff's awesome. You know, you start selling like towels or something. It's a little harder, um, <laughs> you know, but, but any, anything you've heard your clients do to get user-generated content that's unique or interesting? 
Yeah, I mean, one area that we um, we feel is, or has seen to be pretty effective is the use of a loyalty program uh, mm-hmm. or a rewards program of sorts to help encourage engagement with customers in varying degrees, right? So it could be uh, in- engagement through re- reviews, through social submitted content, through uh, referrals, through other actions. Um, we actually work really closely with a, a company called Smile uh, that has a... a yeah, yeah. I know the guys Smile. Yeah, absolutely. So they get a great... Yeah, Steve. Steve's uh, Steve's a good friend. Um, so yeah, they've got a, a great rewards and loyalty platform um, that has a lot of capability. Works great with Shopify, Magento, a few other platforms. And uh, what's nice about it is you can build in sort of this branded rewards experience for customers that incentivizes them to take some of these actions. So you know, you're not just saying, "Hey, you know, give us your photos." please. <laughs> it's, Hey, get 10% off your next order. If you do this, or Hey, earn hundred points. And for every 10, you know, or every thousand points you get, you get a free product, whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, we've got that set up with, uh, with Charlie hustle, actually, they've got, uh, something they call the bleacher club, um, where we're oh, doing it's great. Yeah. 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 And it's fun. Yeah. I think you got to keep in mind that, that a lot of people want to do this anyway, right? We're, you know, people enjoy taking pictures of themselves and their family or whatever using a product, but, but incentivize them and ask them to do it. They're not just going to do it on their own. Um, don't just sit around and ex- expect and hope and wait for someone to do it. Uh, make the request. And then sometimes you'd be surprised by what you get back. Um, one of our clients, Zero Shoes, they sell minimalist uh, barefoot running shoes and, and sandals and they're just like, people are, are, they've got like a cult-like following. I mean, when people use the zero shoes and the health benefits, they go crazy about it. They get some of the best testimonials. And or, or people, I've never seen this before, or, or rare. People actually create like full production scale commercials for them. Like, <laughs> on, on a small scale. Like, but, but there's yeah, this yeah, yeah. dude, I, I went to their offices in, uh, near Boulder last week. My team and I did. And then they just said, hey, check out this video. Some, some guy... Uh, hired a crew and filmed himself running through the mountains in zero wow. shoes and like put music behind it and sent it in. We're like, this is awesome. Who does this? No kidding. Um, it's awesome. So, so you never know what you're going to get, but you, you have to ask and, and do it in a way that's fun and in a way that's cool, but also be thinking about like, this is what a good brand does, right? So you tell the story, you guys tell the story of Johnny cupcakes uh, really well. And so that then makes someone say, I want to be part of that story. So now I get my cool Johnny cupcakes t-shirt I want to snap a selfie and send that in. Yeah. Or I, I love the zero shoes branding and the community and all the stuff that I'm seeing. So I just got my pair of, of Prios. So now I'm going to go run around in the forest and, and, and take pictures and send it in. Right. Um, so, so branding really fuels that as well. Um, so, okay, good, good stuff. Uh, let's talk, let's talk about some conversion killers. What are some things that, that you see that just make you cringe and say, Oh, this company's killing themselves. Um, what, what are some conversion killers to be aware of and to avoid? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, let's maybe focus on the PDP first. Just yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, there's certainly a lot to talk about there. Number one, and I, I mentioned this briefly, is just the, the confusion factor when you have too many different kind of ways to buy or, or promotion. Confu- confused customers do not buy. They do not buy. You know, you want to you want to avoid the analysis paralysis uh, factor as much as as much as possible. So I think I think being really clear in terms of the primary mechanism that you want uh, customers to purchase through. So if, if you're pushing for a subscription, great, make that the primary offer. If you're pushing for you know one time but in bulk, great, make that the primary offer. And then you can always have a fallback. You know, whether it's uh, through an exit intent message. Message if someone looks like they're going to be abandoning the site. You can use a, a platform like Privy to pop up a message and then make an offer. Um, you know, you could uh, you could of course 
do sort of a, an upsell opportunity. So maybe you do want people to subscribe, but you found that people don't necessarily do that uh, as promptly as they do just a regular uh, purchase on a product. Once they've added it to your cart, then hit them with a message, hit them with the upsell opportunity to then subscribe. So don't throw them everything all at once. Think through the buying process, figure out what your primary sort of, uh, you know, intent or, or action for purchases, and then focus on recovering or upselling them, you know, through those exit intent uh, pop-ups, through those upsell messages as best as you can. I think that's number one. Um, number two, just from a, from a design perspective, uh, you don't clutter the, the site, you know, g- give it a little bit of room to breathe, um, especially if you have a lot of information. You know, if you have a lot of good engaging content, people will take the time to scroll. I still run into this issue, you know, just recently, we, you know, we've had a few conversations with clients where they're, they're still bringing up the concern of, well, everything has to be above the fold. I mean, that, that term is so irrelevant these days. It is. I mean, it's, it's like, listen, sure on your screen, that's where the fold cuts off, but on my mobile device, the fold cuts off in the first image. So I think people trust your users that they're willing to scroll if you have compelling content. Yeah. We're very willing to scroll if there's a good reason to, I mean, it's not work at all. If I'm engaged and interested in the content, I'll scroll away. Exactly. So if you're not scrolling, you're probably not writing good content. (laughs) Yeah. And and one thing, one, one kind of analogy I just thought of as you were talking about, you know, not, not overwhelming someone, you know, think, think about a good, you know, we, we talked about earlier how a good online experience kind of has a parallel to a good offline experience, but uh, I, I enjoy eating out. I think all of us do, but I enjoy, when, when the experience is done right. So, so you can imagine like a good, a good waiter, a good waitress comes up, they make you feel welcome. They say, Hey, what can I get you to drink? Right. And, 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 and have you been here before? Let me tell you a little bit about the, the restaurant. They don't come up and say, what would you like to drink? Uh, and I'll take your order now, please. What do you want? What do you want as an appetizer? How will you be paying? Can I get your dessert in right now? Uh, would you like to come back next week yeah. and instead of reservation? Would you like, I mean, it's like, ah, like, yeah, exactly. Too much. I enjoy what I'm doing. You know, take, take me down the path, yeah. lead me on a journey one step at a time. I want to enjoy myself. Yeah. Uh, same with, same with shopping online. It's, it's similar. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Yeah. I think sometimes people, you know, get maybe a bit too obsessed of, we'll get them just added to the cart and check out right away. Um, and in some instances with some products, you do want to do that. You want right. to just make it as easy as possible. Um, and Shopify has a great feature called dynamic checkout, which makes that extremely easy with accelerated payment it's methods. Phenomenal. Like phenomenal. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Yeah. It really is. But, yeah. uh, but, but you have to understand that not all customers are going to buy in the first experience with your brand. And, and that's okay. Um, so I think one area where uh, it's not, it's sort of a, a, I would still call it a conversion killer is people don't focus enough on the secondary conversion goal. So they're, they're focusing too much on that initial sale, too much on add to the cart and checkout. And, and maybe you have a product that's high price point. Maybe you have a brand that's unfamiliar. Uh, you know, maybe you have, um, you know, a product that is seasonal or whatever it might be. And my, today might not be the time to buy. Today might not be the time to push people to buy, but it might be a great time to get them to join your loyalty program or sign up for your newsletter or follow you on social media or create an account or share a product or take any other action that could at least get them in your marketing funnel. Um, I think people just overlook that. You know, they're kind of an all or nothing, either get me the sale or get the hell off my website. Exactly. Kind of yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, good. Any, any other conversion killers? So then on the, on the PDP, what are some other conversion killers to avoid? Yeah. I mean, you know, very common one, of course, is just being mindful of, of color contrast. Um, you know, make sure it's clear where they should be clicking and scrolling and making sure structurally, you know, they know where to navigate. Um, honestly, when, when we present the, the sort of layout of a site, 
you know, some clients will sometimes say, well, you know, how come this looks like so many other e-commerce sites? How come the image is on the left and the product form is on the right and the call to action is here and everything else is scrolled below? It's well, because that's what customers expect. <laughs> it's comfortable. Yeah. People know what to do. They, they feel at home. Exactly. when they see them. Exactly. So I think, um, yeah, I think we really, uh, you know, it, it's fun to be innovative, right? It's fun to play around a little bit, but I'd rather see our, our merchants kind of play around with with the content and the assets they have on their PDP as opposed to the structure of it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Be creative with your storytelling. Be creative yeah. with your videos. Be creative with yeah. your product images. Don't don't mess with, you know, where where stuff is, the kind of yeah. the tried and true uh, of, a, of a page that converts. Uh, love that. What, what are some good examples, either either clients of yours or or others that just, that just, get the product detail page right and conversion elements. And just what are, what are some other examples? I know we mentioned several already, but what are a few others? Yeah, absolutely. So one of our, uh, one of the clients that we worked with recently that it just product wise, I, I, I've never seen such quality photography as a, a brand called Asseline. Uh, they're a book publisher uh, out of New York and they create these just absolutely gorgeous, pretty much works of art. Uh, and they're, they're kind of coffee table books on a variety of subjects. A lot of times it's art, culture, travel, food, um, things like that. But what they, what, what was really fun about working with these guys is, is they came to us or came, came to the table with just such tremendously high quality assets. And it really is um, the kind of product where it really is just the imagery and the story behind the story, because they are all books that kind of sells a product. So, you know, for, for them, the way we approached it was really simplifying the PDP and just letting the imagery kind of tell the story as much as possible. So big, beautiful I, I, imagery and making yeah, them. I love the way you guys have done the, the product detail page. It's so cool. And then we'll link to this in the show notes, but it's A-S-S-O-U-L-I-N-E.com, Asseline.com. Yeah. Um, oh, talk, talk to us about the product detail page, because I'm, I'm looking at it now. I just love it. I love the way you've got kind of a long scroll. So you've got, you got the, the, the text and the story on the right with the add to cart and all the familiar things. On the left, there's actually a scroll of all the pictures. And so I'm looking at this, so the, the allure of horses is what I'm looking at right now. But you scroll through it and, and um, it shows the book. Now these are like, these are like substantial coffee table books, right? Like 150 bucks. <laughs> for the book. I mean, this is, this is serious stuff. This is not just your paperback. This is like a book to be a showpiece. Absolutely. Um, Walk us through that product detail page. How'd you guys create this or kind of the thought behind it? Yeah, absolutely. So number one was definitely thinking about what we could do uh, from an image perspective. We knew they were, they would have great assets. We knew they would have multiple angles of the books, all high resolution. Uh, so the first was, okay, how do we accommodate all of these images? And we knew that sort of a traditional layout with, you know, one image and then just thumbnails and you're kind of, you know, sliding through a mini thumbnail slider was really going to kind of, uh, in a sense, repress the, the images. So we really wanted to kind of bring those to the forefront, which is why we have kind of the full size images uh, for every image they have associated with the product and make it really easy to just kind of scroll down the page to be able to see all those. So that was sort of number one. Um, number two was being able to give the customer the opportunity to kind of learn a little bit about um, the story in a few different areas. So we've got uh, for every product, there's a description section, which is, you know, what you kind of expect, kind of the history of the story behind the book, sort of a details section, which is much more technical, you know, specs around page length and type of illustration, language, all that type of thing, little information about the author, and then um, some press coverage associated with uh, the book as well. So for that, it was really making it accessible um, without uh, making it overwhelming, because again, we thought that the imagery was sort of the leading component to sort of tell the story of these products. 
Um, so it's there. It's, it's you know, easy to just kind of click through each one of those four tabs in the right-hand side. Uh, and then the other thing was just making it extremely easy to see what to do. If you want to buy, you see a big, bold Add to Cart button. If you want to get gift wrapping or add us to your wish list, they're there, but they're secondary calls to action. They're not going to be as in your face as that primary, uh, primary goal. Yeah, I love I love the PDPs here. They're beautiful and you know they really highlight, showcase the product, easy to look through. Kind of kind of the the as you're looking through the insides of the book, it's kind of like the Amazon feature of look inside the book, but way cooler. Like it it looks it looks um it makes it look like art because that's what these that's what these books are all about. Exactly. Uh, so uh, fantastic. Any any other examples of a great product detail page or just just great conversion elements that that people should check out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so recently we, uh, we launched that FOCO website, one that we're really, really excited about, really proud of. And, uh, for, for their site, somewhat similar, not, you know, they had, they have some really high quality, high resolution imagery, um, for all their products. So we wanted to make sure that that was something we could really showcase, um, on the, uh, on the PDP. Um, so I'm just pulling it up now here, you know, we wanted to we wanted to put the imagery in the front and center. We, in some instances, we have sort of the the, the multi kind of full size image uh, exposed as you scroll. In some instances, we have sort of a larger format grid where you're seeing you know three, four, five different shots of the product all kind of in one layout. Um, all of which, of course, are clickable, so you can zoom into it. Um, but in addition to that, every every product has sort of a uh, min, call it you know mini description, um, which is your your sort of introduction to what the product is, but then a follow-up kind of more rich detail story around that particular product. Um, in this one, you know, we really went all in on sort of the mobile experience. So you'll see things uh, on mobile stack extremely well. Um, you know, so the, the experience is it was really intended for the kind of scroll driven user, <laughs> someone who's willing to, to scroll through the site. Um, you know, so it's really been uh, a big focus when we were going through the UX on this one. This is great. And, and I highly recommend everybody get on these sites, do some shopping, check it out. To me, this, this is one of those practices that we just, we all need to get in the habit of is, is find companies that are doing this well and shop them and, and, and see what you can learn and experience and, and see what's intuitive and easy for you as you shop and try to emulate that. Uh, same, with, same with marketing, right? I try to get on email newsletters. I try to pay attention to search ads and YouTube ads that are good and kind of keep a file of those. Um, it's really one of the, one of the best ways for us to, to learn. So, um, awesome. Ross has been fantastic. Really, really appreciate it. We are about out of time. Uh, for those that are checking this out and saying, man, this Ross and growth spark, they know what they're doing. I'd like to find out more about them, like to connect with them. What's the best way for someone to connect with you online? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so growthspark.com, feel free to check out any of our work. We try to uh, write detailed case studies on the products that we've done in the past. So a great way to understand sort of what we do and how we do it. Um, definitely encourage people to just reach out directly through our website. Um, fairly active on LinkedIn. So I'll typically post content there uh, more so than some of the other social media uh, platforms. So uh, by all means, reach out. Um, happy to have uh, yeah, people get in touch with questions uh, or potential projects, of course. Fantastic. Ross Byler, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Ross, really appreciate it, man. Thanks for taking the time. It's been a ton of fun and we'll have to do it again sometime. Absolutely. Thanks, Brett. All right, very good. And so again, check out growspark.com. Check out all the beautiful work there. Look at some of those sites. See what you can emulate and learn from them. Uh, and as always, guys, thanks for tuning in. Let us know what you'd like to hear more of. We're open to your show ideas, topics, suggestions. Give us some feedback. Um, 
I did, by the way, try to look for a, a Jay Peterman catalog a minute ago. I could not find it. So if, anyone, if I was watching the YouTube video and you saw me disappear for a minute, I was looking. I've got a couple boxes over here. Let's get a snack. It's okay. I was, yeah, I was hungry. Uh, so I'm, I'm packing up my office. It's it's blank uh, basically right now. But hey, next time we record this podcast, I think, eh, maybe next time, we'll be in the new office, which will be fun. So uh, with that said, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.